Welcome to Sulphur Springs Baptist Church Sermon Audio. For more information, please visit our website at sulphurspringsbc.com. And thank you, choir, for those words and those songs. I don't know if I could have picked a better song than In Christ Alone for my message this morning. And uh, if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2, we'll be reading in verses 4 through 15. And as you're making your way there, uh, I failed to mention one thing. Uh, We are going to be doing a trunk contest. And so if you would like to be a judge, would like to be someone who wants to just go around and look at the trunks and and, uh, tell me which one you think is the best, and we'll give out one gift card to the best trunk that we've got out there today. And uh, so it's been a blessing for us and our family last yesterday. We never get to go to any truck or treats because we're always either in one or a part of something. Uh, and we've been that way for uh, the, since we've had kids. And so yesterday, since Halloween falls on a Sunday, we got to go to other churches um, and other places around. We went to Rocky Hill and we went to Fairview and we went to Hidnight, um, the, the Hidnight Center and we went over to Millersville. And uh, it was a blessing to be able to go and do that and hang out with the family. Uh, but it was also good to see what we get to do and how we can improve what we're doing and I really appreciate that. And so uh, that's something that we have going on there. Uh, so at this time, if you have your place in God's Word, if you'll stand, the words will be on the screen as well. The verses will be there. We're going to read these couple of verses as we get started. My voice is a little gone. I, I was yelling a lot at the football game, and my son had a soccer game on Saturday, and I was yelling there. And the weather is just draining from the weather here and so bear with me this morning with my voice and so Corinthians I'm sorry Colossians chapter 2 verses 4 through 15 says and this I say lest any man should beguile you with enticing words for though I be absent in the flesh yet I am with you in the spirit joying and beholding your order and steadfastness of your faith in Christ as you have therefore received Christ Jesus as the Lord So walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophies and vain deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. For in him dwell all the fullness of the Godhead, uh, fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principalities and power, in whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein you also are risen with him through the faith, the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead. And you are being dead in your sins in the uncircumcision of your flesh, He hath quickened together with him, having forgiven you of all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that which was against us, which was contrary to us, and took out of the way, nailing it to the cross. And having spooled the principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in him. Let us pray. Father, I thank you for the reading of your word. I thank you for the perfect, infallible Word of God that you've given us, the ultimate guide for everything in our life, and I thank you for allowing us to have that. Lord, we are grateful that you would give us, wretched humans, something as a guidebook to live our life by, and I thank you for the words that you've given. I pray that you'll be with the 
thoughts that you've given me this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Today we're going to be looking at the thought alive in Christ as we look through Colossians. I started a series going through Colossians a while back and Lord led me back to it and uh, wanted to allow us to sort of realign where we're at, sort of align with what we need to be as Christians in Christ. And uh, the Bible says that we were made alive in him. We were made alive and, and, and this, this thought of growing in our spiritual walk is an incredible thing and sometimes we don't think about it often. So, so I want to give us some thoughts this morning to help us and uh, we'll jump right into our notes for sake of time. So first off, we're going to look at is this, in verses 4 through 7, the making of spiritual progress. Uh, as we look at this in our life and as we look at the spiritual progress, I want to ask you this question. I want to frame it this way of, have you made spiritual progress from the moment of your new birth? When you became a Christian, when you became a follower of Jesus, are we still dwelling right there? Now, I will never get over the, the, the life and the death that Christ, or the death and the life that Christ gave me. But at the same time, we've got to get to the point where we make that spiritual steps. We grow, and we're going to look at some of that. And, and as we go through this, I'm going to give you some practical illustrations as we go through it. The first is this, the need for progress. There must be spiritual progress, but what is the need for spiritual progress? What is this need? The Bible lays out in verse 4 and 5, there is a spiritual growth that must happen. Uh, over my years, when I, I was in college, I was not a big reader. I didn't like to read books. I didn't like to read books and write papers. And so books turned me off. And so getting into ministry and growing spiritually, the, the thought of reading a book to help me, to help me in my, my spiritual life was a huge part of my life. And so I'm a big advocate for reading. That's why we, when the opportunity came for us to get 200 free books, I got them so that our church could grow spiritually and go through that book. And, and I'm often reading a book and then giving that book to someone else and saying, hey, this book may help you. This book may progress your spiritual life. Uh, the other thing in spiritual growth would be discipleship. Discipleship is simply sitting down one-on-one, -on -one, looking at the Word of God and going through it with each other. But, but why is this need there? The Bible opens up in this first verse that says, lest any man should beguile you. If we are not growing in our understanding, we will be beguiled or drawn away from the Word of God. If we don't know what the Word of God says, and someone comes along with fancy speech or fancy words, and, and we think, well, that's really good, that sounds really good, we could be drawn away from it. And so Paul is saying here to this church while he's in prison, remember, don't be beguiled, know what you believe. You know, you, you don't expect... A child to go to the next grade and still be learning in kindergarten. You don't expect a fifth grader to go into fifth grade and still be learning the basics of the alphabet. When Brody went into third grade this year, this is what he told me. He said, Dad, third grade is really hard. It's harder than, than second grade. And this is what my response was. Son, you're right. And fourth grade is going to be harder than third grade. <laughs> and fifth grade is going to be harder than fourth grade. Okay, so, so we get this concept when it comes to education, we get this concept when it comes to growing physically and maturing, but somehow when we relate this over to our spiritual life, we don't grow as much as we should. And so this need for spiritual growth is ultimately so we don't get drawn away from what the Word of God says. But there's also a nature of progression here. 
There's, there's the need for progress, but there's this nature of progress. And, and I wrote down just a couple of things as we, we look at it. The first is, is this, and I, don't, I hope our, my slides are lining up and I don't have any spelling errors, but, but your notes are in the bulletin as well. I forgot to say that. But verses 6 through 7 gives this nature of how we can progress. And I, I think when we look at this, this letter that Paul wrote to the church of Colossae, he, he wrote this in a time that is very applicable to the United States and the world right now. You see, Paul was in prison, and he's writing letters to these churches. He's away from them. He's physically separated from them. And as the world, we just went through a pandemic. We were separated physically from each other for an extended period of time. Students were out of school. They were at home. You, you may have not went to work on some of those days and weeks and months, and, and you were physically separated. So when Paul was writing this letter, he's, he's almost talking like he were in modern day America where, where he's separated from each other. We couldn't go to church. We couldn't go and, and go to Sunday school. We couldn't go and have these fellowship meals or, or things that we normally do as a church. And so Paul was saying, I'm separated from you, but yet I still want you to grow. I'm still praying for you. I'm still there. Even though I'm not there, the Bible says I'm not there physically, but I'm there spiritually. And he says, I want to allow you to grow in this, even though we're separated. And so we, we see that he was separated, but he also had this spiritual desire in, in verse 7. And, and when I read through this, he, he lays out some great thoughts for us because he says, there is a desire for me as a leader of this church to want you to grow in certain areas. He says, rooted and build up. He said, this is the thought, uh, one commentator said, this is the thought of a tree or, or a seed been put in the ground, and as it grows, the roots go out. The roots begin to expand, and this, this plant begins to get stronger and stronger and stronger. And so when Paul was writing this down, he's saying, I want your faith to be this same way. I want it to be planted and growing and getting stronger and stronger. He uses the term unwavering, or, or I like to use it, strong in your faith. He wants us to... To, to have a, a the desire to know what we believe, but also why we believe it. I had a lunch this past week with a pastor in the area. It's the first time we'd been able to talk to each other. Uh, we, I've messaged him back and forth, and he said, man, we got to get together, and we got to have lunch. And so Ryan Hodges down at Rocky Face, we went out to, to eat, and, and he we were talking back and forth, and we realized that we had a lot in common. We had a lot of the same background. He knew a lot of the same people that I knew. Uh, but, but we got into this thought of, discipleship and growing and I told him that in our college class we were going through we just finished going through the Baptist distinctives and what the Baptists believe and he said this to me and I've said it many times to our college students and even in here on Wednesday night and other things is this he said I want our churches to know what they believe but I want them to know why they believe what they believe I want them to understand the reason of why they say that they're Baptists, why they say they believe what they believe and that is this thought of growing so that we don't be led astray. And so we must understand it like this. In my house, uh, ever since our kids were born, I, I, I have confidence about me. I'm a, I try to be pretty confident. Some people take that as arrogant or prideful. But I just like to say I'm confident. I like to know what I, if I can't go up a rock wall at kids camp, I'm only going to go halfway. Okay, Shelly may go all the way up twice, three, four times. But I just understand that I, I'm going to do what I can do. I'm, gonna, I, I'm not going to go past that. I'm not going to get hurt. I'm going to do the best I can. And so, so as our kids grow, we tell them often, 
And you may do this in your house. It's nothing new. It's nothing fancy. But, but I tell my kids all the time, you are a saferite. You are someone who is strong. You are someone who is confident. Don't say you can't do it. Don't say that you're a loser. Don't say that you can't do these things. Because you have the ability to do them. And so I'm trying to instill confidence. And Paul in the same way is saying, remember who you are. Remember who bought you with a price. Remember who is the creator of the world and who has given you this ability to love and to grow in your spiritual desire. Also, he, he goes on to say, abounding in the world. And this thought is serving with love. Abounding is this thought of serving and doing all you can for the kingdom of God. And sometimes serving can just simply be putting a hot dog in a bun and saying, I hope you have a blessed day. It could be just coming and picking up a piece of trash or doing something that is serving and loving on each other. Church, we have to get to this point where we begin to abound or serve with love. This is the spiritual desire. This is the progress of how we can become more spiritual, how we can become more like Jesus Christ. And so, so there is this spiritual progress, but, but Paul goes on to say, hey, wait, not, I know there's spiritual progress, but there are going to be spiritual pitfalls. Satan's out there. Satan desires to mess you up. Satan desires to get your eyes off of Jesus Christ. Satan desires to allow you to fall into sin. So he says, hey, let's calm down for a second and let's look at some pitfalls, some things that we can be made aware of. In the first eight, eight through 12, 8 through 10, he gives us some of these things. He starts out by saying there is worldly wisdom out there. In verse 8, the very first part of it, it says, beware lest any man spoil you. He's saying, listen, this is that worldly wisdom. This is in 2 Timothy, he writes to Timothy and he says, there will be those in your day that have itching ears. The desires to just have their ears tickled and so they can go on. That never want to grow deep, that never want to, to, to allow God to work in their life. He says, this is that worldly wisdom. This is that philosophy or that vain deceit that is so enticing at times because we can relate to it. We can understand it. It's a little bit easier than what God says. And it allows us to sort of be lackadaisical in our Christianity. And so he says, watch out for the worldly wisdom. Number two, he says, watch out for the traditions of men. In the second verse, second part of verse eight, it says, beware lest any man spool you through philosophies and vain deceit after the traditions of men. This one, church, and I've said this many times, is the hardest for me, the traditions of men. Uh, we're going to go to church on Sunday. We're going to go to church on Wednesday. Why? Because we've always went to church on Sunday and Wednesday. We go to Sunday school. We go to these events. We go to these things because it's just sort of tradition. It's what we've done, and we, 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 we grow up in it. Uh, I, I've shared this with our college students as we started talking about other denominations. I used to work with a Roman Catholic young man. And uh, we, we worked together at Chick-fil-A, and, and I asked him this question, and I challenge us to ask us all this question, really. He was a Roman Catholic, and I said, I said his name. I'm not going to say his name. He may be watching. I don't know. Uh, but, but I said his name, and I said, I said, buddy, I said, are you a Roman Catholic by birth, or are you a Roman Catholic by choice? I said, are you just born into the Roman Catholic Church, and so now you go to the Roman Catholic Church, or have you made this choice for you yourself to do this? It's the traditions of man. The question that I had to ask myself several years ago, six, seven years ago, 
Am I a Baptist by birth or am I a Baptist by choice? Because I believe that the Word of God says that that's the most closely faith that we can align ourselves with. I had to ask myself these questions of the traditions of men that, that I so firmly believed in, that I so firmly said, this is going to be how I am. My wife tells me all the time, James, you remember you used to say that when we first got married and, and now you, you believe a little bit. I said, yeah, 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 calm down. I know uh, I've grown a little bit in my spirituality. Uh, I'll share just a little one. You ready? My, my wife, I almost, we almost broke up when we were dating in college because she went to a Casting Crowns concert. Now, Casting Crowns, in my opinion, is some of the most biblical, godly music now. I, I, if you look at the words and you listen to what they say, and I almost broke up. I, I, she said she went, and I said, Allie, I don't know if, if we, can, we can continue this relationship. You went to a contemporary song? You went to a contemporary concert? Man, I'm Southern Gospel to the core. You don't do that. And she, she brings it up every once in a while. She'll say, James, you know that you're, you're taking your teenagers to hear Skillet in a couple of weeks to... I mean, skill, I mean, that's, that's pretty rough. Uh, but, but at the same time, I'm like, man, I, you know, you can grow in your spirituality. You can grow in what you believe. And, and sometimes we believe things because it is the traditions of man. It has simply been handed down from generation to generation with no biblical context. Listen to what Warren Wiersbe says. If a new Christian from a distant mission field were to visit many of our churches, he would be astounded at the ideas and practices that we have and cannot be supported by God's word. We have traditions, and some of them are good, don't get me wrong. But we have to go back and we have to ask ourselves, is this because what God wants us to believe? Then we have the third point here that he goes and he finishes verse 8 by saying, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. The culture of the world and I often, I listen to many political podcasts. You know, I'm, I'm a podcast listener. I digest stuff very quickly through my ears. And so it's easy for me to listen to things and it is for me to read things. Uh, but one of the podcasts that I listen to, he says this often. He says that if you go back in the history of, of America, the church used to influence the culture. What the church did, the culture soon followed what the church was doing. He said that in the last 40 to 50 to 60 years, the tides have been turned and the culture defines what the church does. The culture goes one way and the church soon after follows that same way. And so Paul in this same, in this same passage is saying don't be followed, don't, don't follow what the culture is doing. Don't follow what the, the, the world is doing but follow what the word of God says to do. We are called to be light in a dark world. We are not called to blend in with the darkness. We are called to stand out. When we walk into a room, people should know there's something different about us, whether because they know who we are or because of the way we act, because of the way we talk, because of the way we do things, because we are a child of God and we are different than the world. We are not called to blend in, church. And when we look at these three things, the worldly wisdom, the traditions of men, the culture of the world, it should ask ourselves this fourth thing. And it's really phrasing the question of where does it place Jesus? Where does these three things, if we're looking at the pitfalls, where does it place Jesus? You see, he should be the fullness of our desires. Everything we do as a Christian should be driven by the desire to glorify God's name, to lift up his name. Our deepest desire is to glorify the Lord. 
I, I, I really believe if, if we follow these three things, the worldly wisdom, the tradition of men, and the culture of the world, I really do not think it's possible to glorify God. If we are living a life that is driven by the philosophy of man, that's driven by the traditions of man, that's driven by the culture of the world, I do not see how we can influence this world for the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're not going to see anything different than us, in us, than what is in the world. We should be full of the desires of God. You know, we should be placing God as the supreme Godhead. It says in verse 9, it says, for him who dwelt the fullness of the Godhead bodily. We should be placing him in supreme ruler of your life. And then I really think when I, when I read through this, verse 10, the very verse part of verse 10, really is what radically changed my mind as I read through this passage. It said, and ye are complete in him. We are complete in God. As I've talked to college students and as I've looked at statistics and as I've looked through things since COVID, because we've come out of COVID and it's part of every person's life in here, I don't talk to a person in today's society that doesn't bring up the five-letter word COVID, okay? Numbers are on the rise. Numbers are not on the rise. People are struggling. People aren't struggling. People aren't back to work. People are back to work. It's all back to COVID, okay? Well, so, so we have these numbers. We have these things of, that, that we can centralize around COVID. And yet the suicide rate, the depression rate among young people and college students is at the all-time high. We have never in the history of the world seen more kids commit suicide since after COVID. And I've asked myself this question, why? Why are young people resorting to this way of life that is ended all? And I truly believe that it's this right here. They never knew what they were complete in. They never knew about Jesus. And so therefore it says there's no point in living. And so I'm just going to end it all. But I'm here to tell you, church, we are complete in Christ we don't need anything other than Jesus Christ. We don't need anything more than Jesus Christ. And when we get to that point where we say we have been completed in him, all the rest of this falls into place. Our identity is in Christ. Our, our desires are in Christ. And we find fullness. We find completeness in him. Some people get to the point where they find their identity in someone else. A boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or a wife or their kids. And all of a sudden we see when parents get older and kids move out of the house, their identity was in their kids. And their kids are no longer there and that marriage begins to struggle. We, we see these things because we are not grounded and we are not rooted in what Paul says in the fullness of Christ. Church, we must place Jesus at the supreme sufficiency of everything in our life. When we do that, things begin to make sense. As Paul continues to write, he says there are these thoughts of relying on spiritual promises. So we see making spiritual progress. We see we need to look out for spiritual pitfalls. But then there is a moment in time where we must rely on the spiritual promises that Christ has given us. And this is through the 11th through the rest of the, this, this passage of Scripture. And, and I believe the first thing we see here is that in verse 11, he says that we are alive in him. Verse 11, in whom 
You were also circumcised in the circumcision made without hands in putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. We are made alive in Christ. He puts this through this, this thought in verse 12 where it begins to talk about baptism. And we're going to have a baptism in just a couple of weeks. But Paul is calling to remembrance and he says, listen, church, do you not remember what this symbol means? Do you not remember what baptism is? It was once you were dead and you could do nothing for Jesus. And when we were in Arkansas last year, one of the men said, too many times we like to look at salvation as we were in the, the deep of the water and we were drowning and we began to call out for Jesus and Jesus came by and threw the life jacket and we grabbed onto it. He said, that's a good idea, but I really think that it goes more like this. We were completely dead. We were face down in the water. You've seen it bloated on the images where we could do nothing to get to Jesus. And he came to us and reached down and picked us out of that deadness and made us alive in him. He says, when you begin to think of this, this figurative picture of baptism, of death, buried with him and brought back to life, it is a literal picture as well. It's not just a symbol that we do for the fun of it. It is a literal picture of saying you were once dead and you were buried and Jesus Christ brought you out of that death. He brought you into life so that you can live with him. And when we identify with Jesus, when we identify with who he is, we must ask ourselves what more is needed? What more is needed in life if we identify with who he is? And the simple answer is nothing. When we are fully relying on him, when we're fully relying on what he is, there's nothing else that we need. There's nothing else that we can say to ourselves that is going to allow us to, to want anything else because all of those pitfalls, all of the progress is going to continue if we identify with Christ. Now, you may be sitting here saying, I've never had that happen. I've never went from darkness and, and into light. That's the beauty of salvation. It can come to us at any time, in any moment. Because God is still saying at the end of this verse, he says, I have allowed death to be taken away. And we are able to live in him. So alive in Christ is the first one. Let's look at number two. The, the freedom from the law in him. Jesus not only freed us from sin, the sin of the world, but he purchased our soul when he died on the cross. It says that he freed us from the law, the law that binds us, the law that, that hurts us, the law that, that, that makes us feel guilty. And yes, there is a place for the law, but Jesus says, I've broken free your life to be freed from the law. We are no longer bound by the rudiments of the law, the Bible says, but we have freedom in Christ. I started reading in, in Romans chapter I'm going to go back a, a verse in Romans chapter 7. I think it's applicable when we think of this because Romans chapter 7 verse 6, you don't have to turn there, you can write it down in your notes, but Romans chapter 7 verse 6 says this, but now we are delivered from the law, having died to the things in which we were bound, so that we may serve in newness of the spirit, not in the oldness of the letter of the law. Church, I use this often, this this putting off of things and putting on. We've got to get to the point where we put off the oldness of the world. We put off the oldness of the flesh and we put on the newness of Jesus Christ. 
We're going to fail. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to, to, to say the wrong things or do the wrong things. But I'm telling you, if we can allow ourselves daily to put on this thought of Jesus Christ, put on the work of what he did in the cross. You see, too many times we think the gospel is just the moment of salvation. No, the gospel is every single day of our life. It is continuing to live in him, continuing to allow him to live through us every single day. Yes, we were redeemed. Yes, Jesus Christ came and saved us and pulled us out of that miry pit. But it goes continuing further than that every single day of our life. Too many times we just say, yeah, I got saved and now I can go and I have a free pass to do whatever I want. No, it's putting off of those old things and wanting our life to grow more and more closer to him. Because this is what verse 15 says. We are victorious in him. And having spoiled the principality of his power, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Christ proclaimed victory on the cross. We no longer have to live in defeat. We now can live in freedom. We can now live in this freedom that has broken the devil free from us, that has allowed us to be set free through the victory of Jesus Christ on the cross. Musicians, you can come. I'm going to close quickly here. My question I began to ask myself and practically how we can address these thoughts is, is real simple. Why are we walking around living a defeated life? When Christ came and set us free and set the captives free, literally set the captives free from, from a place called paradise. If you want to think about that for a minute, you can. But he came and set the captives free. He defeated death. He allowed us to live that same victorious life. So why do we walk around defeated? Why do we walk around like the glass is half empty and, and the world's just so bad and we're all just sort of going through the motions? No, church, we have this victory in Christ that is so great. It's so glorious. As a young person, I had a lot more energy than I have now, especially a little overweight with three kids and, and you know, things, life holds you down a little bit. But, but I've often been asked this question, why are you so excited? Why are you so energetic at times? Even at 32, I can still be energetic at times. And, and my, my answer is real simple. It's, it's always this. The battle has been won. Jesus defeated death. Jesus defeated everything. So all I have to do is walk in Christ. When I walk in Christ, it's pretty easy to be excited. It's pretty easy to get excited about victories that I had zero to do with. Okay, I was watching the Braves a little bit last night. The Braves won. They're one game away from winning the World Series. I'm sure you've been watching it. Hopefully you've been watching it. Unless you're a Houston fan, I'm sorry. But the Braves are most likely going to win. They're going to go forward. They're going to win the World Series. And, you know, it was real easy for me to wake up and see everybody posting about the Braves. I didn't do anything to win. I wasn't there in the game. I didn't have to throw the pitches. I didn't have to hit the ball. But I could be victorious in what they had done. Church, as Christians, we have that same victory, but it's so much greater on a spiritual level because Christ said, I've done it all. All you have to do is accept it. All you have to do is walk in this. All you have to do is live through this. So I'm going to close with three questions, questions that you can apply to yourself this week. And if you want to write them down, you can, but these are the three questions. Are you alive in Christ 
or are you dead in your sin? Are you alive in Christ this morning or are you still living in your sin? Are you still dead to the sin, to the flesh, to the law? The Bible says the law that holds us down, that binds us, that never allows us to have freedom. Is that what we're living in? Or are we saying, God, I want to live in your freedom. I want to live in your victory. And I don't have to do it. I just have to walk in you. My second question is, are you aware of the pitfalls that the devil has around you? You see, your pitfalls are different than my pitfalls. I tell this to my teenagers often. I say, you know, listen, if, if someone were to come in into the youth room or into the old sanctuary where we're at and put a thousand pounds of marijuana in there, I would walk in and it would be zero desire for me to do anything with that marijuana. Okay, I, that, that's not a pitfall for me. Drugs, alcohol, it's not a pitfall for me. If I were to walk in that same room and someone would put a thousand pounds of chocolate M&Ms in there, that would be a pitfall for me. Okay, I would spend all day in there, I would open up those bags of M&Ms, and I would begin eating on those chocolate M&Ms, because that is a pitfall for me. I like chocolate. As you can tell, I like chocolate. Okay? And so, we have to be aware of these things. We have to be aware of what is around us and what is going to harm us. And if we're not aware, the devil is. The devil knows what your pitfall is, and he will allow those things to come in your life so that you can fall. So are you alive in Christ? Are you aware of the pitfalls? And the last question I want to ask you is this. Are you fully relying on the power of who God is? Are you relying on his power, or are you relying on your own strength? You know, when I get up and I parent in my own strength, I, I normally fail. I normally get mad. I normally yell at my kids. I normally have a, a fit of anger or rage, like, why are you not listening? If any of you in here watch Dude Perfect, I'm the rage monster at times, okay? I, I, can, I can have a little bit of an anger. But when I get up and I begin to walk in Christ and I begin to live that day like, okay, God, I want to serve you. I want to be alive in you. I want to have your freedom. It's a lot easier to show grace to others when God, I realize the grace that God has shown me. And when we walk in that grace... It allows us to show grace to others. Our coworkers that maybe flip off on something and we show grace to them and they begin to say, what, why, why are you nice to me right now? Why, why are you the way you are? Well, you know, God redeemed me long ago. And I, I still have moments of anger. I still have moments of rage. I still have moments of, of doubt and, and, and desires that I want to live after the flesh. But I've just sort of sacrificed that to Jesus. I'm just sort of giving that to him, and, and he takes it over a lot easier than I can. Church, being alive in Christ is more than just the moment of salvation, but it's a continual process of growing closer and closer to him and relying on his power, relying on the promises of God. Father, I want to come and just thank you for this day. Lord, we are so indebted, so grateful for you. Lord, I am humbled to even stand behind this desk and preach this morning but I thank you for the calling that you've laid on my life I thank you for allowing us to look at this scripture today and be able to grow closer to you hopefully Lord and if there's anyone here that doesn't has never experienced this freedom this freeing gift that you've given us Lord allow it to be today allow them to come to know you Lord we thank you we pray that you'll be with this invitation in your name we pray
Thank you for listening. Please remember to drop a rating and subscribe to get our latest audio.